1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 and as always online at KDOS1060.com. It is a Monday. It is February 13th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until 1 o'clock today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Recapping Super Bowl 57 from Glendale with the Chiefs coming out on top. So let's set the scene with today's poll questions. And we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Did Andy Reid cement his coaching legacy with the Chiefs' second-half performance? And yes, if it's possible, continues to grow in its lead, still at 100% of the vote. Okay. It was 100% previously, but it's growing, right? Yeah, it's growing. Everyone just (laughs) keeps voting more and more on the yes side of things. Okay. So uh, certainly that second half performance was uh, was very good by the Chiefs, and we'll dissect uh, the game here in Extra Point shortly. On Twitter, at KDUSAM1060, should James Bradbury versus Juju Smith-Schuster have been called defensive holding? Yes is now in the lead at 51.9%, no trailing at 48.1%. This is on Twitter at KDUSAM1060. Last hour, no was in the lead. Well, as they say in the gambling business and the uh, wagering business, uh, good two-way action here. That is true. We'll answer that question today around 1230. We'll get into your phone calls today. So you'd like to join the program around 1130 and 1215. All right. Super Bowl 57 from Glendale. It's in the books. The Chiefs coming out on top of the Eagles 38 to 35. This is now the second Super Bowl in the last four years for the Chiefs and uh, plenty to dissect Plenty of different directions to go, angles to talk about in this one. But let's just kind of start with the game itself and and how things got started. The Chiefs defer. They give the ball to the Eagles, and they promptly march down the field and score a touchdown. This is something that they now were 3-for-3 three three doing in the postseason and had actually done eight times in the regular season as well, marching down the field on first drives and punching it in for seven. So certainly uh, they get off to strong starts. They certainly get off to a really good scripted uh, portion of their offense, and they did that once again in the biggest game of the year. Yeah, I think offensively, for the most part, uh, things kind of went their way. Obviously, they only had the 11 points in the second half. That didn't exactly go their way, but uh, they were playing with the lead, which they're used to. I think the biggest uh, difference in this game to me and what I was personally most wrong about and really wrong about is that the Chiefs' offensive and defensive fronts really, I think, got the best uh, Philadelphia, which I think most people uh, believed uh, was the biggest advantage the Eagles had going into the game. 
Yeah, I uh, I definitely want to touch on that here, but I'll get to that a little bit later on because I'm going to lump it in with something else that uh, was obviously a hot topic of conversation throughout the game as well. Um, we were so close, though, Bob, so close to the Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits Bet Hitting. So we ended up having two weeks of Super Bowl bets ahead of this game, and it was the Kenneth Gainwell anytime touchdown, yeah. and he had the carry. He was actually ruled in the end zone, but upon review, he was definitely short. And then they went to the patented Jalen Hurts, push him into the end zone. He scores a touchdown. So Jalen Hurts gets the touchdown. He ends up scoring three on the day. No more opportunities there for Kenneth Gainwell. So we were so close to hitting that one. That's true. Uh, unfortunately, as soon as that was accurately called short of the goal line, you knew that uh, it was going to be Jalen Hurts' time in the next play. Oh, absolutely. You knew there was no other option of what they were going to do because that just has been uh, a complete um, moneymaker for them, actually. They, they score and have such a, a crazy conversion rate. I think they were saying there was something like 33 of 37 on attempts of doing something like that in the broadcast. So it, it was certainly uh, what exactly they were going to do in that particular moment. The Chiefs then turned right around and they answer with a touchdown drive of their own. And, and yet again, you find it Travis Kelsey, he is wide open for a touchdown score. Um, now, this is interesting here because the game kind of ebbing and flowing. They they get the Eagles off the field in the next possession here. And at the time for the Chiefs, I was wondering, could this potentially decide the game as things start to unfold? It was early on, an early decision for Andy Reid to have to make. He chose to kick the field goal. It was a 42 42-yard field goal attempt. Harrison Butker doinked it off of the left upright. And I just thought to myself, this could potentially loom large just because Sirianni is going to play so darn aggressive. You wonder if that was going to uh, be a factor, and ultimately it wasn't. Yeah, I understand. Uh, yeah, it's just kind of the, you know, Reed's not going to change after all these years as far as that goes. And you know, you mentioned uh, you know, even yesterday uh, the fourth down conversions uh, that you know, the Eagles had. Remember, there was one that was a penalty, so you know it was uh, that was a f- effectively a fourth down conversion. Also, that didn't officially count as a fourth down conversion. So, um, actually, you know, personally, if we're just going to kind of get down to like turning points and things like that, I thought that the I really thought that the Eagles were maybe not not quite on the verge of breaking the game open, but it's 14 to seven, and it didn't seem like there was a whole lot of uh, you know defensive uh, you know you basically the Chiefs weren't making any plays on defense until the obvious the the you know hurts the one bad play he made when he just basically you know bobbled the ball and dropped the ball and uh, Bolton ran it in for the touchdown and made it 14 14, but at that point. I really thought that the game might get a little, not necessarily out of hand, but uh, you know, I thought that the Philadelphia, I thought Philadelphia had done everything they wanted to do to that point of the game for the most part. You're definitely right on that feeling. You thought, uh oh, this could get out of hand in a in a hurry. And of the two teams, uh, the team that had some of the, the well, it's kind of interesting because Andy Reid, he's been there. Matt Patrick Mahomes, he's been there. Travis Kelsey, he's been there. But they did have a ton of rookies. Uh, but a Chris Jones has been there. So there has been plenty of Chiefs players who are pivotal and key to what they 
how, want to do and how they have success, they kind of seem to be a little bit out of sorts. And as you said, uh, giving the Eagles a, a free first down, things of that nature, just kind of being a little bit more undisciplined as, as the Eagles were really just sound. And I think, as you say, just dropping the football for Jalen Hurts completely changed things tying it up 14-14 but then this is I think as well the undisciplined part uh, coming into play don't forget it was a third and one and there was a false start penalty and it backed him up to being third and five and then that's when Jalen Hurts ended up fumbling it so it's just kind of interesting how the ebbs and flows and, and certain certain key moments of the game kind of change the direction and the momentum so much in these bigger games. That's true. Even after all that, they still had a 24-14 lead at halftime. And I just thought that the Chiefs defensively, uh, they're tackling in the open field, whether it be against the run or pass plays in the first half, was really poor and amazingly good in the second half. I don't know if they missed really any tackles in the second half. And you know, Spagnola you know, sent some blitzes that I think were certainly by, you know, by design with you know, they wanted Hurts to if he had to leave the pocket they wanted him to have to roll out to his left and there were a couple of drives that ended strictly because of that in the second half uh, I do want to make mention of this of what Hurts was asked post game uh, he was asked what it meant to him for Nick Sirianni to trust him with the football in his hands after uh, that fumble and he said here quote I don't think about any of those things you have to treat any play independently and that's my mentality and that's my reflection on it it happened in the past I was just trying to stay in the moment and be present and I think that's a, a, a great way of looking at it and especially in these bigger games uh, you can't then allow something like that to turn into such a negative for your team because obviously he was going to be so involved in the game and so involved in the run game as well. Absolutely. And that's something that I talked about with Nate Davis from USA Today in the last hour during the Sports Zone. And I specifically asked him, you know, what's more impressive, his on-field performance or the way that he – handles himself and you know, just his demeanor off the field. And uh, you make a really good case for both sides of that. <laughs> so another thing that could have potentially been a complete momentum changer and really just changed the complexion of the game, if Patrick Mahomes can't come back in the second half, uh, he re-aggravates that ankle injury, and he just to, seemed to be in so much pain. Uh, in all honesty, it kind of seemed like he was in more pain this time around than the first time that it happened against the Jaguars. Uh, he said post game that he did not get a pain-killing shot, just taped it up and worked on it during the extended halftime. I don't know, because he was able to move around. He actually had six carries, 44 yards, including that long of 26 that took place on the final field goal drive for the Chiefs. But without him being able to come back in the second half and having some ability and mobility and the ability to do what Patrick Mahomes can do, this may have been a different, different talking points today. Also wonder would he have been as effective in the second half if it was a 13-minute halftime like it usually is during regular season games and non-Super Bowl games instead of the 33 minutes that he had to prepare for the start of the second half because of the halftime performance. Absolutely. Uh, in the second half, though, this is just just magic for the Kansas City Chiefs. They scored on every possession that they had. 
Touchdown, 10 plays, 75 yards, 5 minutes and 30 seconds off the clock. Touchdown, 9 plays, 75 yards, 441 off the clock. Touchdown, 3 plays, 5 yards, 49 seconds. And, Bob, a special teams play set this one up. And then the field goal, 12 plays, 66 yards, 507, and it ultimately was the game-winning drive. Right. And, in fact, you know, three touchdowns and the field goal is when they were not trying to score a touchdown, didn't want to score a touchdown. And Mahomes in the second half was 13 for 14, and the one incompletion was an intentional throwaway. That's correct. He was he was really, really good. Uh, so there is something that I want to go hand in hand because there's question marks about uh, where was the defense? Where was the defensive line for the Eagles? Where was the ability to get pressure and take advantage of maybe uh, not as good of an offensive line? And I, I maybe I am barking up a wrong tree here and lumping them together, but we'll get into that on the other side of the break as we continue breaking down and discussing Super Bowl 57 with the Chiefs beating the Eagles. We'll get into that on the other side of the break. But if you haven't heard, uh, KDOS AM 1060 now has an app. And Android users... You're you're now in play to go ahead and download the app. So Apple users, go to your uh, Apple Playlist store. Uh, For Android users, go to your Google Play store, type in KDOS 1060, download the app. There are some listener rewards uh, prizes up on the app right now. Uh, So really exciting stuff with the new edition of the app. And, of course, you can continue listening to us on Terrestrial Radio, KDOS AM 1060, 100.7 KSLX HD2 or online at kdos1060.com. We'll get into much more of the extra point here on KDOS AM 1060. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortelaro with you. Bringing you the latest sports topics weekly right here on KDUS AM 1060 with me, the Doug Gottlieb Show, 1 to 3 p.m. Welcome back to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060 and as always online at KDOS1060.com. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortlaro with you up until 1 o'clock today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Your phone calls around 1130 and 1215 if you'd like to join the program. Continuing with our Super Bowl 57 conversation here. So maybe I am barking up a wrong tree here and we can dissect this and figure it out together. Uh, you know, where was the pass rush for the Eagles? It was what was the most dominating factor of their ability to play defense, the fact that they didn't have to blitz. They could get there with their defensive front seven and allow their uh, players to sit back and play in coverage. But what I'm lumping into it here is, should we pay attention to the field conditions and to the turf issues and to the fact that guys were slipping and sliding all over the place? And did that benefit the Chiefs offensive line and really hinder the the Eagles pass rushers to be able to get home? I think it did some for sure. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, certainly this playing surface has been a problem for many years. In fact, uh, the first time I can just think of uh, you know a specific game that I remember uh, was the 2011 January of 2011 the BCS championship game when Auburn beat Oregon. In that game, I think it was even a more of a big deal because Oregon clearly had a major athleticism and quickness advantage, 
in that game. Auburn ended up winning that game. You know, Cam Newton kind of bullied his way to victory in that contest. And uh, Chip Kelly, is, I'm sure, still thinks uh, that Oregon lost that game because of the playing surface. Last night, it played a role, but still, you got two teams that, you know, one team, I think, uh, adjusted somewhat to it. And the other thing is that I think that the, you know, going back to the question about the pass rush, I think that the uh, the Eagles, uh, you know, defensive front got their butts kicked. They got shoved around. Uh, you know, the fact that Andy Reid stuck with a running game and it actually ran more than usual. In fact, they had, tw- if you count the Mahomes runs, they had, uh, you know, 27 pass attempts and 26 rushes, uh, including those Mahomes runs. And I think that that clearly... When there's a threat of a running game, it was more of a threat because Pacheco was good. And remember, they came out and ran the ball to start the second half. I loved that right off the bat. Yeah, uh, I think it was a, for three of the first uh, three three straight plays and four of the first five were runs. Um, you know, that, I think that that had a lot to do with it's uh, much to do with the fact that uh, the Eagles' pass rush was negated totally with zero sacks in the game as the playing surface. To me, that showed, you know, you're down 10. There's still no panic, though, and you're going to identify areas to crack holes in the defense and play to the strengths. And uh, certainly they were able to capitalize in those moments. Let me add one thing to that, too. I I don't think, you know, I know that Mahomes told Andy Reid that he could do everything. It was, you know, he was fine. I'm not sure if they exactly knew that at That's that true. point, too. So I think it was a combination thereof. Uh, so getting back to the pass rush here, the Chiefs are actually the team that had two sacks, and I actually only remember one of them, and it was Hurts just kind of running out of bounds for a right. loss of a yard, and I don't remember the second one. I was like, oh, where'd that one come from? Was, but, I think it was right at the line of scrimmage also. Okay. Uh, but, you know, the, clearly the, you had a defensive coordinator in, 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 in Spagnola who really – uh, you know, basically, you know, made adjustments. And I mentioned the fact that, you know, they blitzed and when uh, they forced Hertz out of the pocket, they forced him left. And it seemed like Jonathan Gannon and the Eagles, who don't blitz much during the regular season because they haven't had to, uh, there was zero adjustment from, from him. And he's interviewing for the Cardinals head coaching job today. Good luck. We'll get to that in just a second. Uh, The Eagles defensive front, this is a team that had 70 sacks on the year. They don't blitz. They get home with the front. No sacks and just five quarterback hits on the night. Hassan Reddick said postgame. Now he's talking about the field conditions here. Quote, most definitely, I'm not going to lie. It was the worst field that I've ever played on. He then added here, quote, it was very disappointing. It's the NFL. You would think it would be better so we could get some better play, but it is what it is. I don't know. Maybe the league will look at it and tell Arizona they got to step their stuff up. I don't know. It's not my decision to make. It's not my call to make whatever it is and what it is. Now, I do want to at least in my um I guess looking into the turf situation here, we do know that there have been issues, as you talked about, with the turf uh, dating back to plenty of high profile games, whether it be college or pro NFL. We also saw week one turf issues that the Cardinals with the home game and against the Chiefs and Andy Reid kind of critical of week one in the field and I don't want to say flat out blamed, but kind of alluded to the fact that that's what 
cause the injury to kicker Harrison Butker. Uh, maybe we could even say that uh, the turf was maybe what caused the injury to Kyler Murray on Monday night against the Patriots. But this particular situation for Super Bowl 57, the grass is oversaw by the NFL. Nick, right. Nick Pappas, uh, one of the NFL's field surface directors who has worked for Super Bowls now, is quoted in an article by the Associated Press saying, for this one, obviously we're giving it a little extra care. We've got a lot of groundskeepers here for about a month, putting eyes on it, yep. putting hands on it, working on it all day, every day, getting it ready for game day. So this is an NFL thing that came in. The grass here, apparently, it's a Bermuda grass base that includes rye grass overseed, started growing it at a local sod farm back in May of 2021. So I don't know a lot about grass. I've attempted to uh, grow a couple of bushes, and it's not going very well <laughs> in the yard, so not great. But I was just kind of thinking to myself, Maybe this tray situation as you uh, roll it in and out, that maybe it's just flat out not deep enough that these roots are not able to really like get embedded in there. And that's what's causing the slipping and that's what's causing, uh, you know, chunks to always come up. I don't know. I then looked into it and the tray apparently is 40 inches deep. Uh, at 234 feet wide and 403 feet long. I'm just trying to come up because I know these people know their stuff about grass. I'll add one more thing to this. Uh, they talked about this in the telecast, and they even talked about it on the Fox team at halftime before the whatever happened there at halftime. By the way, I heard some not-so-good things about the halftime performance, but that's just people texting me. So maybe it was the greatest performance of all time. But anyway, uh, back to the uh, yeah, actual halftime thing. Uh, they mentioned uh, that the NFL, you know, Bradshaw went off on this, in fact, at halftime before the halftime performance, that uh, the NFL painted the field. And there were a couple times during the game that Greg Olson mentioned, including right before the game-winning field goal, uh, that you know, most of the problems that players were having was the painted areas on the field. And the NFL painted the, you know, the insignias and all the uh, things that are on that field. And that seemed to be, at least according to Olsen, and then certainly Bradshaw certainly thought this, those were the biggest issues, the, the biggest areas in the field where those issues occurred. Um, yeah, I, I definitely could see that as well. Uh, painting the grass makes it a little bit slicker as well. Uh, when it comes to the halftime performance, I think uh, I have now officially reached being a target demographic audience. And it's kind of wild to think I'm now in that group. Okay, yeah. well, I'm about 400 years past that, so <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the wrong person. But I did get a couple of uh, angry texts, in fact, one from a football, uh, well, not from a football, a friend of mine who's not a foot. I was actually shocked she was actually watching. She might have just watched for halftime, for all I know. <laughs> but uh, she was not pleased with the performance and thought it was, uh, I can't even actually... I was going to read the text here, but I don't. I can't read the text here on the air. So it was. Uh, she was not impressed. We'll get back to the sacks then, and the lack of sacks by the Eagles, and the lack of defensive front. No pressure here. Hassan Reddick was asked about that, and he said post game, "quote It was hard. I said it earlier. If you said I'd beat my man a couple times, just try to turn the corner. I was slipping. I just couldn't turn."
in the corner. So, I mean, it is what it is. I'm not making excuses. Like I said, they won. Congratulate them. They're uh, champs. They should enjoy it. We got next year. Now, my questions for Sorry, you- sorry, but it sounds like he's making excuses. It, it does read like that and sound like that, doesn't it? Um, it does. I actually heard some of him, t- him talking after the game, too, and he that's sort of, I thought that before we even had our discussion here. <laughs> Just shut up. You lost. You know, grow up. So my question for you, though, here is as an Eagles team, as the defensive coordinator, seeing that you're not getting pressure, you're not really able to make a dent in what you're trying to accomplish on defense. I know you've had a particular identity all year long and so sometimes it's hard to change your identity in the biggest game of the year but do you question maybe not trying to do a couple of different stunts or trying to do a couple of different blitzes to just really mix things up i thought it was disgusting that they didn't if i'm an eagles fan that's what i'm mad about today is that uh, they seemed ill prepared uh to the possibility that okay what if we don't get to mahomes and we talked last Friday because, you know, Mahomes' is, you know, medical situation, quote-unquote, before that game that they were going to get rid of the ball fast. I uh, already mentioned that, you know, they had 27 pass attempts and 26 rushes, including the Mahomes runs and clearly Andy Reid. And uh, the big part of the deal here was to get the ball out quickly, and the Eagles seem to have a zero answer for that. And also Nate Davis, uh, harking back to our first hour of the Sports Zone today, uh, talking about how you know they ran a lot of motion. Uh, I don't know for sure. I'm not uh, you know you know a film breakdown expert, but it seemed like they ran even more motion than usual. And clearly on the uh, you know the touchdown passes to Tony and Moore, uh, the Eagles had no idea what the hell they were doing as far as coverage goes in those motions. And uh, they did a really poor job of passing uh, guys off from man to man. Uh, in those in those motion plays, and I'm sure that was the objective of the uh, Chiefs heading into the game. So, I, pre-game, the Chiefs had a major coaching uh, advantage as far as the uh, offense against the uh, Philadelphia defense. I think that that was a coaching mismatch, and I think that was the the, the big, I think really the biggest deciding factor in the entire game. I can't remember who said it because I heard so much post-game yesterday, uh, but someone was complimenting actually Eric Bieniemy in preparation and showing it on tape and showing all the jet sweeps that you're talking about and saying, this is going to be wide open. And sure enough, it was wide open in some of the more crucial times for the Chiefs in yesterday's game. Uh, getting back to something that you had briefly touched on, and I promised to readdress it here, Jonathan Gannon and... And he is the Eagles defensive coordinator who is scheduled to be meeting for an interview with the Cardinals today. Uh, Different reports are coming out from different local media as well as Adam Schefter saying that it appears things are now down to either Lou Anarumo or Jonathan Gannon as the next Cardinals head coach. Uh, If it looks like it's Lou Anarumo... I guess reports are that Vance Joseph is going to be sticking around as a defensive coordinator. We'll see here. But if watching this performance, it's quick to judge. It's quick to react because of the biggest performance. We just saw it yesterday. Does it change your opinion at all of Jonathan Gannon? And does it make you think, oh, maybe we should go with Lou Anarumo if those are now narrowed down to the two choices? 
You know, I don't think I've complimented uh, Jonathan Gannon in one second this year uh, for, you know, his job performance. I'm not saying it was bad, but, you know, they just basically won games on defense and dominated on defense for two reasons. One, they had a you know, front five, and I know that they only have four, but they really have five guys uh, that they uh, you know, kind of rotate in there, and sometimes they're all in there together. They just rush the passer and they overwhelmed inferior offensive lines, plus the fact that they had to lead more than anybody else in the NFL in games this year also helps your opportunity to pass rush. And, uh, yeah, Ina Rumo, on the other hand, I think for two years running, we've seen his second-half adjustments and what he's been able to do, and uh, I don't think there's any contest between the two of those guys as to which guy would be the better head coach or who knows if they're going to be a better head coach because you've know, seen lots of brilliant coordinators really fail miserably as head coaches. Uh, Richie Pettibone comes to mind for me way back in the day. You know, Joe Gibbs is defensive coordinator for many years and you know, Joe Gibbs, when he retired like the first time, yeah, Pettibone got that head coaching gig and they were just awful the next year. And uh, Pettibone was clearly in over his head. So you never know for sure about coordinators when they're a first time head coach. But if it comes down to one of those two guys, I mean, I the Cardinals, uh, I'd have a tough time if I were a Cardinals fan accepting the fact that Anna Rumo does not get that job ahead of Gannon. And I would said that I would have said that before yesterday. You're 100% right in terms of uh, it's a crapshoot whether or not so you can make the transition from assistant coach to uh, head coach and all that goes into being a head coach, but certainly just the body of work being a coordinator, at least having that mind and that ability to make those adjustments and to get guys. Because I would also say from a Bengals side of things, uh, top to bottom on that defense, uh, would you say that the Eagles have more talent than the Bengals? and yet the Bengals continue to kind of overperform? You know, that's a good question because, you know, I certainly like the, you know, the, the front four, you know, the Eagles have more talent, but in the back seven, I'm not so sure I would be taking the Bengals, uh, especially if the Bengals are healthy. Remember, the Bengals also lost two of their top three corners uh, from Halloween on. Uh, they weren't healthy in that. The, those the two of their top three corners were pretty much out for the rest of the season at that point. But when they were actually healthy and had everybody out there, that back seven was pretty good. 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to join the program. Uh, that's 602-260-1060. We know we didn't have much phone call time last week due to being on Radio Row, but if you'd like to chime in about Super Bowl 57, the time is now 602-260-1060. We'll get into you on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060, as always online at kdos1060.com. And now download the app for Apple and Android users. Just type in KDOS 1060 to find us and download the apps. You can listen to us wherever and whenever on your phone. We'll be back after this. Once again, phone call time if you'd like to join 602-260-1060 here on this Monday, February 13th. KDUS AM 1060 is the home to the Dan Patrick Show, the Doug Gottlieb Show, and Sports Map Radio. Catch all the sports content here on AM 1060.
742 here on KDOS AM 1060 and as always online at KDOS1060.com. Bob Kim, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until 1 p.m. as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays. Still some time if you'd like to join the conversation 602-260-1060. Take a brief pause from NFL and Super Bowl 57 conversation because there was another massive event in town. That was the WM Phoenix Open and Scotty Scheffler, he won by two over Nick Taylor. Uh, Scotty Scheffler finished at 19 under par. He's now a back-to-back winner, having won this event last year, and he became the first back-to-back champ since Hideki Matsuyama did it back in 2016 and 2017 with the elevated event status, Bob. Do you want to take a guess how much money uh, Scotty Scheffler went home with for winning the event yesterday? I have no idea. I can't even set it over under. My apologies. <laughs> Scotty Scheffler took home $3.6 million with this elevated event status. Nick Taylor won $2.18 million. And John Rahm, who continues to play really good golf, finishing in third, he won $1.38 million. And I think I saw something this morning that now John Rahm has surpassed $40 million in career earnings on his time on the PGA Tour. A lot of it here. <laughs> and in San Diego, right? Yeah, because he absolutely yeah. loves San Diego. You know, right. I, I um, he hasn't won this event here, uh, but he obviously had an opportunity to play as an amateur, getting a sponsor's exemption for his time at ASU. Uh, and I know it's an event that he really wants to win, and he's been knocking at the door here of recent to try to get it done. There's another elevated big event this next week, uh, this week, I should say. Uh, the Genesis Invitational, Tiger Woods has committed to playing the event, so we'll try to dissect what we think is going to happen for uh, the Genesis Invitational this week. Also, Bob, set your Netflix, get ready tomorrow. Uh, yeah. Full, or uh, not tomorrow, I'm sorry, the 15th of February, so that's Wednesday. Full Swing, yeah. the Netflix PGA Tour documentary is okay. released. Yeah, tomorrow's a big day for some people in, in the world, uh, the 14th of February. Yeah. All right, we're going to head on out to the phone lines here, 602-260-1060. If you'd like to join the show, we have Al in Phoenix on the line. What's on your mind today, Al? Hey, Kayla and Bob. Well, first of all, Bob, I think you made a great point about uh, that moment where uh, you know uh, Hertz fumbled. I actually thought uh, that the Eagles needed to be up by more going into halftime than they were. Their whole season, they were, you know, was kind of predicated on them you know, in the first half, sort of wiping out these uh, the teams they faced. And I don't think they had the Chiefs down by enough. And I had a I had a bad feeling they weren't going to win in the uh, second half because they just were not a good second half team, uh, or not as good, or you know, maybe they had you know gotten themselves into that routine too much of just being ahead. And I think uh, I think that was uh, maybe the key play of the whole game. Uh, I think it was. I think at that point that they were in control, and at that point the Chiefs didn't seem to have much of an answer defensively. I also think that uh, you know, towards the end of the first half, when uh, you know the uh, Eagles were, you know, you know, remember the Chiefs got the ball when the play that when Mahomes got hurt, and they you know, they kind of had a two for one opportunity at that point. And the fact that you know they the Eagles got the stop, 
Then yep. they got the ball back, and they they did kick a field goal before the end of the half. But uh, you know they had an opportunity. You know they had an opportunity to score a touchdown. Uh, yeah, obviously that was the uh, you know they had the 35 yard gain to the 13 yard line with Smith, but yeah he was rolled not to have caught the ball. Uh, that's another game, another play in the game that I thought uh, if they have the ball for you know first down at the 13 yard line. You wonder whether they actually punch it in and they have a bigger than a 10-point halftime lead. Yeah, I agree. I, and I hope Michael Bidwell was watching that game because I really don't want <laughs> they hire Gannon to be their head coach. I'm, I've got uh, – that's going to be a tough – going to be a real tough sell. I would think so. That interview was set up before the game yesterday, however, so it wasn't like uh, it was a kind of a, you know – <laughs> post-game achievement type of thing. We need to interview this guy before he leaves town or however that works. I, mean, I assume that's like a Zoom call or, yeah, I don't know how Bidwell's been really, you know, and, and obviously, you know, the new uh, you know, front office, I don't know how they've been, I don't know how they've been doing these interviews. Uh, you know, Bidwell was kind of like the, the host for the Super Bowl here for the last week too. So he's got a lot on his plate these days. And then uh, one uh, non-Super Bowl thing, you know, is uh, that U of A loss in Stanford was a uh, it's a real <laughs> it's a shocker. I know Stanford's been playing better, but that uh, they shouldn't have lost that game. Well, the fact that they gave up sixty percent shooting, I think it was sixty-one percent yeah, shooting, and they terrible. gave up eighty-eight points. Uh, that game reminded me a lot from last year when they lost games uh, that they just couldn't stop anybody. Or couldn't stop a team that was hot. Remind, you know, actually, it was very similar to the Utah game that they lost at Utah, which was all the way back on December the 1st uh, in conference play. They had won seven in a row before then, and uh, it was just uh, the fact that they were kind of defenseless. And obviously, Tabellus, who had been a double-double machine, uh, had as many fouls as he did points in that game. And uh, I don't know if he had a rebound the entire game. In fact, on Saturday night, I don't think he had any. Uh, the fact that you can't put him back in the game if you're chasing points because he really doesn't guard people. And uh, Creasa was absolutely terrible. I'm guessing if you take a look at almost every U of A loss for the last two years, he's been really <laughs> bad in all those games. Yeah, it's, it doesn't speak well. I mean, Rainey, he, at least he had a, you know, he's, he's kind of, he's coming out. He's actually a pretty good player, Rainey. Yeah, he's actually played really well. He leads. I think he's made the most three-point field goals of anybody in the in the conference. Uh, not percentage-wise, but total field goals. I think he's made wow. the most threes of anybody. Uh, yeah, it's at some point. I, there's a lead. There's more than just the. You know, Boswell's a better player than Crease is, and I know Boswell's 17 and is a freshman. Uh, but you got to wonder whether you if you're. If you're Tommy Lloyd, I wonder if he thinks he might lose the team some because uh, there's obviously a yeah, connection between Creasa and his teammates. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's there's more than just athletic ability, whether somebody starts ahead of somebody else or somebody gets X number of minutes ahead of somebody else. And lastly, you think ASU put itself back onto the, at least the, uh, I guess the, the bubble line for the tournament with the, no. the road sweep? Okay. <laughs> no, they're they're screwed unless they win the unless they win the Pac-12 conference. Well, there's two ways. You know, their last three games of the season are in Tucson and then two games in LA. That's uh, terrible. And you know, <laughs> LA. You know, obviously USC has really been hurt by the big man being injured. Uh, they lost at Oregon State on Saturday night. Uh, but if yeah. uh, everybody's healthy for USC, 
Uh, and obviously, uh, you know, those are three games. If the U of A, if, excuse me, if ASU could win like two of those three games, including the game at the U of A and those two games in L.A., maybe they don't have to win the conference tournament, but I think right now that the best chance of ASU making the NCAA tournament by far is if they win the Pac-12 tournament when they would obviously get the automatic berth. All right. Well, thank you, Bob. Kayla, take care. 602-260-1060. The next caller interactive segment will be about 12:15 today. Uh, we'll check in. What records were set for Super Bowl 57? What records were tied in well, Super Bowl? Gonna, this is going to be news to me because I don't pay attention to this stuff. So this would be good. Okay, we'll get yeah. into that on the other side of the break. It is the extra point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Morslaro with you right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, online at KDOS1060.com. And with the new app, Apple and Android users download now KDOS 1060. Back after this. Interact with Bob Kemp's poll question on KDUS1060.com. That's KDUS1060.com. And while you're there, check out Bob Kemp's bottom line at KDUS1060.com. Welcome back to Extra Point as we wrap up hour number one here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, online at KDOS1060.com. Bob Kim, Kayla Mortolaro with you. Let's look at some records that were set in Super Bowl 57. Uh, so we had, and, and this is probably the most shocking one of them all, maybe, that uh, the fact that it came from the Chiefs and all of their special teams woes that they've had all season long. The longest punt return in Super Bowl history now belongs to Kadarius Tony at 65 yards. That's true. I and mean, that was a terrible punt. Also, remember the you know the, the Eagles punter had been in and out of the lineup because of injury. It's just a really low punt. You know, obviously you know, immediately as you sure you, know, you saw that in the stadium. I saw it from home on television. Yeah, I could even tell right off the, off the bat that this has a chance to be a big return. And we talked about Tony uh, off and on for weeks after they acquired him. Obviously a tremendously talented human being. And uh, yeah, he took advantage of that. And he, he even said after the game that he was a little freaked out how low the punt was. <laughs> so once he actually caught it, and they certainly had a wall formed on the right side of that uh, of the return game. Uh, and they, uh, you know, that was that was a huge play. In fact, when I asked uh, Nate Davis uh, from USA Today in the uh, Sports Zone uh, about the one play that's going to kind of stand out, and, you know, Nate said, "I kind of need to watch the game again." I agree with that part, but that's the play that he mentioned, and I totally agree with him. Uh, the fewest kickoff return yards: Kansas City had zero, the Eagles had eleven. So the combined eleven kickoff yards becomes the fewest kickoff return yards in Super Bowl history. And setting a record here, the most rushing yards by a quarterback, Jalen Hurts with 70. Yeah, he was obviously really good, uh, needless to say. And, uh, yeah, he had one play that I'm sure he'd like to have back. But other than that, I mean, he made some plays and he made some throws that were amazing in this game in tight windows. And I actually thought that the Chiefs' coverage, for the most part, was pretty good, even on some of the long plays. 
The records that ended up being tied. Most points, 20 by Jalen Hurts. Most touchdowns, 3 by Jalen Hurts. Uh, most fumbles recovered for a touchdown, 1 by Nick Bolton. And he was oh so close to having 2. Yeah, that's true. The start of the second half. That was the first play of the second half, in fact. It was almost 2. But, uh, you know, Bolton, though, somebody we've talked about. We've talked about the Chiefs and uh you know several times this season and kind of you know focus some of their regular season games and you know bolton and his progress as a young player has been one of the biggest reasons obviously that they won yesterday but really one of the biggest reasons that they made they had a defense that gave up some yards certainly this year and for the most part were really bad in the red zone during the season but uh yeah his his he was a playmaker and uh it was a big deal uh a big deal in uh, yesterday, and obviously a big reason why they uh, you know, showed some, you know, I think, improvement during the season. Fewest times sacked, zero for Kansas City. Uh, fewest interceptions by both teams, sitting at zero. Uh, that was maybe a little surprising that there was no interceptions. A couple of plays early on where Mahomes tried to to do some kind of magical Mahomes things, and he got away with a couple of passes there. They didn't bounce into any uh, defender's hands. And then the most third-down conversions, 11 by the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, they did a good job on that for sure. You know, some of that is they're in third and short frequently, so that helps. And obviously, needless to say, a lot of those, most of those were in the first half. That wraps up hour number one of Extra Point. Hour number two is coming at you on the other side of the break. We'll get into the Patrick Mahomes side of his uh, start to his NFL career and now a two-time Super Bowl champion. So we'll dive into a little bit about that ahead. Your phone calls at what, as well around 1215. And don't forget, there is now a KDUS AM 1060 app. Apple and Android users, go ahead and download the app, KDUS 1060. And there's some listener reward options available to you right now on the app that concludes our number one our number two on this monday february 13th is coming up on the other side of the break